It's amazing to be a part of a church who loves so deeply, who gives so generously. And so I just commend you on, on your efforts. And I agree with Pastor Brad. We are called to excellence, not for our own sake, but for the sake of Jesus, um, because he is most excellent. And so it's an amazing thing to be able to, uh, to even get up here and to be able to, to share the word of God uh, with you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, this, this week has been uh, tumultuous in my family, to say the least. Um, we've had a lot of sickness go on. I'm not going to get into the details of that. Uh, but it's been cyclical. Uh, our kids like to drink from uh, each other's juice bottles, and they feel that that one juice bottle is the only one in the world, and so they each have to fight for it and get it. And in that, they have distributed the whatever virus is going around to them uh, continually. And so uh, it's been, it's been a, a week of almost spiritual warfare, in, in a way, uh, within that. Uh, on uh, Tuesday, I was finishing up uh, my sermon uh, as well. Um, Thursday came around, I started making some edits and different things like that. And uh, Friday, uh, <laughs> I was uh, sitting there going, oh, okay, I need to make some slides and, and do the, the good AV stuff that we have. And we have an amazing AV department as well. Uh, they are excellent. Um, and... Uh, I go, and there's this little box that pops up on my screen, and it says, uh, 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 save drive disk corrupted, or something. I don't know. I'm not smart. I'm not a computer guy. Uh, I have no clue even what that meant. Um, but I did know what the second thing it said. It says, if you hit OK, all of your progress will be deleted. And I said, OK, I don't want to hit OK. And so I tried to, to cut and paste, but it would not let me touch anything but what was inside of that box telling me not to touch the button. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to outsmart the computer. I'm just going to turn it off and uh, turn it back on. And, and when I did that, there was no sermon. <laughs> so within that, God set an audible. What better day to, for God to set an audible than Super Bowl Sunday, right? And uh, so within that, uh, I, I really fretted for about 10 minutes. And I was like, you know what, God's got this. And uh, so I share that with you just to, not to sit there and go, oh, man, this is going to be a sorry sermon. But... <laughs> To, to share it with you, to, to sit there and say that, that God works in mysterious ways, always, and that he is always at work, and his excellence is abounded to us when we do it. When we show up, guys, God shows up. So I just want to put it out there on that, but I do want to say thank you to Pastor Brad. It's always a pleasure to be able to, to be in this, this space, to be able to, uh, to speak and to talk uh, with God, through God, and all that, and uh, I just want to say welcome to you. Uh, this is a two-part series on missions. We're going to call it In and Out. Uh, in that, uh, this week we're going to focus on God's inner mission to us and his inward mission for us, and next week we'll dive deeper into our mission to others. Um, and so I, I want to start with a word of prayer, but I want to encourage you to, uh, to prepare your hearts and ask the Lord to, to, to start to move and to, to, to generate things inside of you, uh, even now, uh, in anticipation to hear what, what he has to say to us. So Lord, I just say thank you so much for who you are. Father, I say thank you that you've given us true hope in you. God, I say thank you that you are so after us. The songs that we just sung, that, that you'll climb any mountain, that you'll knock down any wall, that you'll go through anything for us is so true. Lord, let that truth rest upon us this day. Let us have open arms to receive your blessing. God, allow us to have our lives postured in such a way that when you say go, we say where. God, we ask that your presence be with us. We know that it is, and we can, can feel it tangibly. God, we ask that, that, Holy Spirit, you would move in our midst, that you would change us, that as, 
we come into this place, that we would be different as we leave. God, we ask that, that your inward mission to us would change our lives. Lord, as you seek our hearts in more and more ways, we ask that we would be able to give them over to you more and more. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Everybody, any, anybody been through a hard time and someone tell you, oh, you've got to have faith, you just got to have faith, brother. You've got to have faith, sister. And there's some truth in that. Uh, but, but I'm sure all of us have, have received advice from time to time that we wish that we could just return to sender, right? Uh, and sometimes uh, we're going through things, and the thing we don't want to hear is, you know, just, just a little bit more faith, you know, just a little bit more of this, you know. Uh, we want it to, to rest somewhere else because life sometimes hits us so hard, and in crazy ways it hits us without us knowing sometimes. Uh, such, such a moment happened uh, for us that, like that a few years ago, Bethany and I received some news that shook us up. Um, Bethany, my wife, comes from a family who uh, has its roots generationally deep in faith. Her great-grandfather, David Kirk, was an Irish evangelist uh, who preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Ontario, Canada. Uh, he was one of the first guys uh, in the Brethren uh, movement to, uh, to hit Ontario. Her uncle and father both have committed themselves to the Lord's service in various ways, and all of her brothers and cousins under her uncle and father are deeply devoted to Jesus as well. Um, her cousin Amy in particular served alongside of me in missions uh, and was actually the matchmaker that put Bethany and I together. She connived and made things to where we would see each other. In that, uh, with, with us serving alongside each other in Youth of the Mission Maui or YWAM Maui, uh, it was a lot of fun times. Amy is one uh, of the, uh, the most loving, uh, most caring uh, individuals I've ever met. Uh, she has a, a nuanced way of showing her love sometimes, and sometimes she, she's really stark in her humor, and uh, sometimes it's dry and other things, but uh, you can't help but love Amy. Uh, in that, uh, Amy went on from, from YWAM, uh, went back home to, uh, to around the Hamilton area, to Toronto for a bit, and then... Uh, as matchmaking goes inside of YWAM. So if you're looking for your, your, your daughter or son to, to find a really good, uh, good spouse, just send them to YWAM. Uh, some people say that the acronym actually stands for Young Women After Men. So. But with, within that, uh, God forgive me. Uh, but within that, uh, Amy fell in love with one of uh, the students that she had been in named Sean Klazowski. Uh, they got married. And they had a beautiful daughter named Sadie. Uh, and a few years later, uh, she found out that she was pregnant again. Uh, in the midst of ultrasounds and other routine tests, it was found that this precious little baby had a congenital heart defect called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Uh, I had never heard of this. Uh, it's one of those things that rolls off my tongue now because I've said it so much. Um, but it is a, a disease that, uh, that affects the left atrium. Uh, it just doesn't form uh, the left side of the heart. I think we have a, a slide that, that shows that, but if we don't, that's okay. Um, basically, it's just a defect that, that does affect that left side. So we received that news, and uh, we began to pray. Uh, Amy and her, sh uh, and her husband, Sean, would update us from time to time and uh, would tell us about what was going on with her pregnancy. And one of the things that we found out is that within this condition, uh, as long as the, the child is in the womb, then it's fine because it's operating on its mother's capacity and all that. Um, but the, the trouble and the tragedy comes when birth happens. 
um, because then the baby has to use its own heart to pump its own blood. And as you can see in that diagram, the healthy heart uh, being on the left side over there, uh, the right heart showing that there is a, a, a very big piece missing for that ability for blood to flow um, correctly. And so uh, Sean and Amy decided to name their precious second daughter Hope. Uh, Hope grew fine in the womb, and she was born. Uh, most children are able to go home pretty soon after they are born, but Hope would have to be under constant supervision in the NICU. Uh, Amy and Sean are some of the strongest and most loving people I've ever met, like I said. Amy would war with doctors, and when she thought that her, that her story with them wasn't being heard or what she felt was being right, she would war. Also in this, uh, in the midst of the craziness of their life, uh, Amy started a blog, and she started writing on the internet uh, her story. Originally, it was just for family and friends to be able to, uh, to kind of hear from her heart what was going on, um, the struggles, the strain, the, uh, the amount of, of tears, the amount of joy in some moments, uh, and she would share it all. She was very candid in her blog. Um, but people from all over the world started to, to find Amy's blog on Hope. Uh, they started uh, making comments. Uh, some would even send actual letters uh, to Amy and Sean. Letters from people that they never met. Letters from some people that they knew or some people that they hadn't heard of or from in a long time. And those letters I'll talk about in a moment. This morning, let's turn to Genesis 22. This will be our scripture. If you have your Bible, please turn uh, with me. This is the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. Some of you might be familiar with this, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version again, Genesis 22, starting in verse 1. It says, After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both of them to, so they both so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, "My father." And he said, "Here I am, son." He said, "Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering?" Abraham said, "God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son." So they both of them went together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, 
the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived in Beersheba. God is always good. Today we will talk about God's inward mission for our heart. God in his essence is a missionary. A missionary is defined by Noah Webster in his 1828 dictionary as this, one, uh, one that is sending or being sent, usually the latter, a being sent or delegated by authority with certain powers for transacting business, commission, as sent on a foreign mission. Over and over again, we see stories of God throughout the Bible seeking after people. We see stories of where he runs hard after people's hearts. We see the stories of him pursuing even us to this day. And forevermore, God will always be in pursuit of us. From before time, God was thinking about you. You've always been on his mind, and he has been planning out how he will redeem you. God is good. There's a story of a man who was walking along a narrow path, not paying much attention to where he was going. Suddenly, he slipped over the edge of a cliff. As he fell, he grabbed a branch growing from the side of the cliff. Realizing that he couldn't hang on for long, he called out for help. Is anybody up there? Yes, I am here. Who's that? The Lord. Lord, help me. Do you trust me? Well, I trust you completely, Lord. Good. Let go of the branch. What? I said let go of the branch. After a very long pause. Is anybody else up there? <laughs> there have been many times in my life where I've felt uh, like this man. Uh, it, it might be even how Abraham felt when God told him to offer his son as a burnt offering for him. See, a burnt offering is one where the object to be offered is ceremonially killed. It's a brutal process in some ways. And the remains of what happened through the, that ceremonial killing the, the remains are offered through fire to God. We see the hesitation of Abraham in that he did not at once leave when the Lord spoke, but waited until that next morning to go. As we think about Abraham, I want to ask a question. Are we afraid that God might ask too much from us? See, we in America, we live pretty comfortable lives. Most of us can enjoy drinking clean water that flows out of our houses and distributes itself into multiple rooms of our house. Most of us have lights that turn on the flick of a switch. Most of us even have access to three good meals a day. And many of us know what it means to Netflix and chill, right? Thank you for that. Could God, though, ask us to let go of our comfort as many times over Abraham's life? What would we be considered to be too much for God to ask of us? We now enter into the tension of one of the greatest calls to obedience in all of Scripture. See, God is after the fullness of our hearts. He isn't interested in sharing our affections. He wants all of us. We see this call for Abraham's heart 
through Abraham's obedience in three ways. First, through testing. It says in verse 1, after these things, the passage starts with that, these things, looks over the life of Abraham. These things are the things that Abraham did and the many tests he encountered throughout his life. Those tests he passed and others he passed. On all, God is looking to mold Abraham into a mature and faithful disciple. Some of us need to hear this morning that God is after us. Maybe some of you are feeling the sting of failure or hopelessness. You need to know that God sees you and is not willing to discard you. He wants to grow you, and this test that you might be experiencing might just be the thing that takes you into a deeper faith than you have ever experienced. So keep going forward. Keep pressing into who God is. He will show up. We also must keep some things straight here. First, God tests us so that we might become stronger and to conform into us God's goodness. See, Satan does something different. He tempts us. When God tests, Satan tempts. And when Satan tempts, he's asking us to become weak and to corrupt ourselves and to flee from the goodness of God. See, God tests us so that we will build muscles that will help us to do the works he has prepared for us. God allows for us the great honor of obedience much like we were honored when children are obedient to us. Testing shows the world the greatness of God revealed in your life. God is always able to give us the grace to endure any test that comes our way. We are able to humble ourselves and to follow God. James 4.6 says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We see the call of Abraham's heart also in another way, the second way, commitment. By this time, Abraham had been walking with God for about 35 years. See, he'd been through some tests before. This one test, however, was much more than God had ever asked of him. Think about what we read here in verse 2. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering, which I shall tell you. God tells Abraham to take, go, and offer. No, no real explanation is ever Go and offer. Commitment to God over all other things, he faithfully obeys and starts his journey of great sacrifice. Imagine the turmoil in Abraham's soul. Three long days he journeyed with his son Isaac. In the midst of the journey, Isaac inquires of Abraham where the lamb for the burnt offering would be. Well, dad might be getting up in years. He, he forgot one of the most important elements. Abraham amazingly answers, though, in full faith, saying back to his son, the Lord will provide. Abraham fully trusts that God is good and will honor his commitment to Abraham. Soon they come to the mountain God had for them, and the climax of the story ensues. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar and laid the, the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God wanted Abraham to know that his own obedience, he was committed fully to God. We also see the call for Abraham's heart through provision, our third point. In verses 13 and 14 we read, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, 
And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket with his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Can you imagine the trust that Abraham and Isaac felt in that moment toward God? Now some of us in this room might be saying, seriously? Trust? And I'll say this to you. If you're having trouble with what God asked of Abraham, I believe with all my heart this request was specific to Abraham alone. And I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God will never ask anyone to do what he asked of Abraham again. God had full knowledge that he would stop Abraham before he sacrificed Isaac. But in this, God did send his son. God provided faith and courage to Abraham, but required not of Abraham to actually kill Isaac. However, out of the heart that God has and the great love for you and for me, he allowed for Jesus to die in our place. See, the sacrificial lamb of, of God was given so that we might be able to enter back into God's face and to walk with him forever. God held back the knife with Isaac, yet forsook Jesus for you to be with him. This is the greatest provision God has ever made. So to conclude, I want to finish the story of Amy, Sean, Sadie, and Hunter. If you remember Amy, it was writing a blog, and she wrote about her journey with hope and hope's imperfect heart. She was brutally honest and held little, if anything, back and pain that were her new reality child the only real solution for hope would be a transplant so Amy boldly typed out her faith in God and told stories of his goodness in the midst of all the emotions that you would have within their in the midst of this God showed up in crazy ways see Amy started to receive comments like I said on her blog letters started to pour in from afar she would receive notes from couples who said that they had been ready to divorce and start and recommitted themselves to God and to each other. See notices of people going through tough situations, going up through. Even received comments of people receiving Christ as Savior through the simple sharing of struggles and God's faithfulness. Now, I would love to tell you that Hope received the new that she was alive and healthy today. However, I Hope Taylor Kozlowski died on May 31st, 2013. If us would see the tragedy in this, I pray that we also see that God is on a mission. I pray that in the midst of your greatest struggles, you do not turn away from Him. The story of Abraham would be totally different if he had ignored God's call to be tested. The story of hope would be totally different if Amy had not chosen to go with her birth and to courageously enough to write out her struggles. See, we have no idea how God can use our current situation for his glory. As we walk longer with God and choose to see his goodness over all the junk in our life and what it throws our way, we begin to understand the tests. See, we see God chasing after us, and we begin to trust him no matter what, even when he calls us to the mountain of great sacrifice. I'll end with this. Bethany wrote to Amy asking if it were okay for me to share Hope's story with you today. We knew the answer would be yes, but God showed forth again to me his amazing power in Amy's response. Bethany wrote this to her. Matt's preaching on Sunday and was wondering if he could share a part of y'all's story. She didn't mention Hope. She didn't ask in specifics. She just started off as that. 
And this is what came in return. Of course he can. We love to have her suffering used for his glory. So let this day not be one that goes by without you knowing that God is after your heart. Let you not go another day with a fiery passion for God. Great purpose of redemption toward you and every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth. We serve a God who reaches out his hand and redeems. We serve a God who is on a mission to take the brokenness of this world and to transform it into something beautiful. That is God's inward mission for you. What will be your response to him? Of course he can. We love to have her suffering used for his glory. Amen. Lord, I I just ask that in this moment we can understand the grand transaction that was made on the cross. Lord, I I pray that we would be able to to fully comprehend who you are in the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle. God, I pray for the Klozowski family even today. Their great witness continues to go forward. This little baby Hope who never spoke a word, but yet her life transformed others. Lord, we say thank you for that. We say thank you in the midst of tragedy and things that the world would sit there and say, see, there is no God that you show up. And so, Father, I just ask that this day would be a day of reconciliation. Lord, that maybe someone in this room needed to hear Hope's story and to be confirmed in the understanding that you are who you say you are, that you are good in the midst of all. You are good. And so, God, we just ask that in this moment that, that we come before you, that you would tend to our hearts, that you would replace the nastiness of the sin-soaking, stained earth, cold hearts that we have, and that you would give us that new heart of flesh so that we might be able to pursue you to our fullest. God, you're not satisfied with little. You want it all. And we say thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.